Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Wednesday, May the 25th, 2022. It is currently 4.41 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas. I know it's Wednesday, so that means I don't have a lot of time because in just a few hours, I'll be getting in my car and driving to Victory Baptist Church, Ovalo, Texas, where we'll be return. Well, where we will be returning to Matthew chapter 24 to try to bring that study well closer and closer to a a, a very non-dramatic conclusion, but we are definitely going to do that. But I so so there there so I was here like, okay, what do I do? What do I do? I don't have a lot of time because I have to get ready and gather everything together and get ready to drive to the church, which is a, about a 20 minute drive. So I got all of those things to do this afternoon, but I'm like, man, it's been it's been two days since I've been able to do any actual recordings of any kind. Um we had to talk about some very depressing and, and tragic news in, in the first live broadcast I did today, but I'm like, there's so much I need to do. Let's at least go back to the story of Balaam and his talking donkey. Let, let's at least go back to that, right? Because the last time when we were covering this, we ended that story with, well, Balaam Still talking to his donkey. We we kind of ended the story in mid-conversation. I mean, here's Balaam talking to his donkey, and we're like, well, you know, the, the story will continue next week, to be continued. And that it wasn't supposed to be this long since till we got back to the story. But I, I'm really, I'm really just still struggling with the story and having it, the story just to me is confusing and it's absolutely fascinating. Just just a quick reminder of how we got here. We're also doing a series on 30 life principles as taught by Charles Stanley. And it was in the study of those 30 life principles that he takes one of those life principles and he tries to, in a sense, I guess, kind of prove or argue for this life principle that we all need to follow and understand. And he kind of bases it on uh, something, I think it's in numbers, it's somewhere between numbers 22 and 24. I don't have the the, the curriculum in front of me, his 30 life principles curriculum in front of me, but somewhere uh, between numbers 22 and 24. And we, we kind of walked through his, his kind of his study guide. And I, I still don't quite understand what, how he was trying to connect numbers 22 to 24 to his life principle. But once I looked at it, I was like, man, this, once again, the story of Balaam and the talking donkey it makes, it's just so bizarre it's like, what do we do with this? So someone else mentioned that they too find the story absolutely fascinating. So I thought, you know what, let's let's take a look at it. So we started and just, just so that you understand what I'm trying to do, I'm trying to understand what we actually do with the story because I know the story is just like, it's just, it's like, it's just perfectly made to preach a, a sermon where you can make it funny, you can kind of you can kind of become theatrical, telling the story. Here's Balaam talking to a donkey. I mean, if a donkey talked back to me, I'd be like ah, and I'd run away. You know, you can you can kind of make it a fun story. Everyone, depending on how good you are at, at being a public speaker and how how good you are with comedic timing, you can make it funny. You can make it entertaining. You can make it intriguing. It's somewhat mysterious. It's weird um, and. And I think in some cases, I don't know if anyone 
really walks away with the what what is the actual point of the story? I think some people get it. I think maybe sometimes we don't. But I'm just I just look at it. I'm like, is it possible? Is it possible that the whole encounter with Balaam and the donkey is it possible? Not in any way questioning its historical accuracy. I'm not in any way questioning the the taking the story in a literal way. I'm not questioning that. Oh, please hear me out because someone will misunderstand. I, I am not questioning the accuracy of the story or the inspiration of scripture, its historical accuracy, or that we should take it literal. I'm, I'm agreeing that it's actual history. It literally happened. But is it possible that this actual event was meant to be there and to serve almost as a parable as an illustration that in other words hey here's this earthly event it actually happened but it's trying to picture a deeper spiritual truth there it's trying to picture a deeper spiritual reality and we get caught up in a man talking to a donkey and a donkey talking back we get so caught up in that that maybe we miss that this little section is really somehow symbolic in other words maybe the whole narrative about Balaam and every and his you know being basically hired to try to curse Israel maybe that this story with the donkey really it's it really captures everything the whole story is really kind of told there or the true spiritual meaning is found in that section of the narrative now, I haven't been able to prove that that's kind of the theory the thesis I've thrown out I thought it was going to spark far more conversation but as usual, the things that I think will spark all the conversation and all the interest are always the things that don't spark the conversation and the things that I don't think anyone will care about. That's the thing everyone wants to talk about. I'll, I'll never quite understand the, uh, that I that I clearly have a disconnect with the audience. The, I'll be like, ah, the audience won't care about this. Boom, 70 emails. Oh, well, this is going to be fascinating. This is going to, everyone's going to silence. And I'm always like, wait, what, what am I, what am I misunderstanding? To me, this is so this just gives you the challenge of going, okay, wait a minute, here's this historical account, but what in the world is going on with Balaam and talking to a donkey? I mean, what in the world is going on here? So we're going to just walk back through it and see if we can advance this a little bit. I know this is not going to be able to be a full-blown study right now, but I, I just, I just, I hate that delay in between broadcasts, so I just wanted to get back to it as soon as possible because I definitely want to bring this kind of miniature series about Balaam and the talking donkey. I want to make sure we stay with this until we bring it to an end. And I don't want people to lose focus. It's amazing. You, you go a couple of days and people are already like, I already moved on because they're listening to a million other things. So I understand that, but let's see what we can do. Um, yeah, let's see what we can do. I, I do, I have, I've been utilizing an article and I don't know who wrote the article, um, it's called Three Lessons from Balaam and His Unusual Talking Donkey. I, I've, I've kind of, I'm kind of used that a little bit. I, so I'll go into that and come out of that. I'm adding my own thoughts. And so this is just a combination out of a lot of things. Um, we just don't have time to walk right back through the text to get us to where we are. So we'll do a little bit of summary, but there's just some bizarre things in the story. Here's how this story uh, or how this article handles it. One of the most interesting characters you'll ever find in the Bible is a guy named Balaam. In all honesty, I've, I have a hard time figuring this guy out. 
He starts out and you think he's a man following God. He says and does all the right things when you first encounter him in the book of Numbers. He even looks pious at times. Now, this person is like, I can't understand Balaam. All right. And I agree there's some bizarre things in the story, especially the first part, right? And not only can I not understand Balaam, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't really understand God and I don't understand Balaam. I don't understand God and I don't understand the whole talking donkey. So to be honest, I don't understand anything in the narrative. It's like, God's like, go, no, don't, I'm mad at you. Wait, wait, you just told him to go. Like what's happening here? It's so just, the whole story is just bizarre to me. And I know that we, instead of focusing on maybe how, how weird the story is, we just, many pastors just grab onto the fact that they can be entertaining and preaching it. I, I don't know. You you can draw your own conclusions on how people handle. We'll have to review some sermons on this before this series is over. But let's let's see what else they go on to say. This is how they describe Balaam. He's a guy who dines with a king. It is well known among his own people and is a legend in in neighboring lands. He's also the only person I've ever read about who actually talks with a donkey. Balaam's story is found in the Old Testament, but Peter and Jude mentions him by name in the New Testament. In fact, you'll find him again in Revelation. Now, this is what they said. We haven't verified this. I thought some committed, dedicated listener would send me the statistics to tell me if this is correct or not. But according to them, uh, there are there's more page coverage given to the donkey riding prophet than there is Mary, Jesus' mother, and then and then the apostles. He's got presentation, he has God's ear, and clearly he hears God's voice. So he's talked about a lot in the Bible and he's mentioned, but he's typically mentioned in a very negative way. However, God seems to listen to him. God actually speaks directly with him. So, oh, so wait, so what, what, what's going on? How do we even understand Balaam? How do we even perceive him? How, how, how do we, how do we judge him? I hate to say that. So who is this donkey riding guy? Who, was he genuine? And how did the donkey get so smart? More importantly, what can we learn from this prophet with a talking donkey? Now, again, they want to see what can we learn about Balaam. I want to know what can we learn about the narrative, Numbers 22 to 24. How can we interpret the narrative? Or let me state it this way. Is it possible that the the, the episode with the talking donkey is really central to, to interpreting the, the broader story. I, I don't know if that's true, but I at least wanted to throw out that theory because that story just doesn't seem to make any sense. Now, the account of Balaam and Balak is recorded in Numbers chapters 22 through 24. Israel was there, camped out in the plain of Moab near the end of their 40 years of wandering in the desert. Balak was the king of Moab and saw what happened to the other nations in the neighborhood and stood against the Israelites. The king was scared, so he hired a well-known prophet, uh, a well-known prophet. Balak wanted him to issue a curse against Israel so that the Moabites could, de- could defeat them and get them out of their backyard. So Balak and the, and the Moabites, they're like, wait, Israel, what is, Israel seems to be defeating people. They seem to be moving around. They're like, they're going to come in and take over everything. We, we got to get rid of these people. What can we do? Let's hire someone to curse them. If they have a curse upon them, we can come in and defeat them. Showing kind of a superstitious, kind of showing the religious philosophy and the superstition uh, at that time. Hey, 
We don't know who these, these people seem to be strong. They seem to be defeating people. There seems to be a lot of them. If we can get someone to curse them and, and there's a curse placed upon them by a God, then we can go in and defeat them. That seems to be the way they are thinking. This is where Balaam looked like a real man of God. He took the time to ask God what to do, and he listened when God instructed him not to go with Balak's men. The king sent his men back a second time with more money to persuade this seer to come curse Israel, and again he refused. It looks like obedience, right? Now, this is where they try to offer, wait, something doesn't even make sense here, but in Numbers chapter 22, you'll see this, all right? Uh, Numbers chapter 22, um, I'll go back to verse 13. And Balaam rose up in the morning and said unto the princes of Balak, get you into your land, for the Lord refuseth to give me leave to go with you. So God has said, hey, you can't go with them, right? God has told him you can't go with them, all right? In fact, if you go back to verse 7, uh, and the elders of Moab, and the uh, this is uh, Numbers 22, 7, and the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with rewards of divination in their hand, and they come unto Balaam and spake un, uh, unto him the words of Balak. And he said unto them, Lodge here this night, and I will bring you word again, as the Lord shall speak with me, and the princes of Moab abode with Balaam. So, I mean, he knows God's going to talk to him. I mean, he seems to have like a direct line with God. Hey, you wait here. God's going to tell me what to do. But I can't go. I can't do anything until I check with God. He seems righteous. He seems uh, pious, godly. I mean, he seems like everything is wonderful, right? He has all the outward appearance, right? Hey guys, I can't go. Even though you brought me rewards, even though you have things to give me, I got to go see what God wants to do, right? And God came unto Balaam and said, what men are these with thee? And Balaam said unto him, uh, said unto God, Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, hath sent Unto me, saying, Behold, there is a people come out of Egypt, which covereth the face of the earth. Come now, curse them, preadventure, I shall be able to overcome them and drive them out. And God said unto Balaam, Thou shalt not go with them, and thou shalt not curse the people, for they are blessed. That should be the end of the story. Sorry, guys, I can't go leave. End of story. But it's not the end of the story. Not only is it not the end of the story, somewhere in the middle of this, Balaam's going to start talking to a donkey, okay? Verse 13. Balaam rose up in the morning, said unto the princes of Balak, get you into your land, for the Lord refuseth to give me leave to go with you. And the princes of Moab rose up. They went unto Balak and said, Balaam refuseth to come with us. And Balak sent again his princes, more and more honorable than they. Uh, he, yet again, princes, more and more honorable than they. So Balak's like, okay, he wouldn't go. I'll send more honorable people, people with more power, more prestige, more authority. Th this will impress him. Then he will come. Verse 16, and they came to Balaam and said to him, thus say Balak, the son of Zippor, let nothing, I pray thee, hinder thee from coming unto me. I will promote thee unto the very great honor, and I will do whatsoever thou sayest unto me. Come, therefore, I pray thee, curse me this people. He's like, look, I'm going to give you honor. I'll do whatever you ask me to do. Just curse these people. All right, verse 18. And Balaam answered and said unto the servants of Balak, if Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. Now, that should settle the story, right? Hey, okay. Look, guys, go tell him if he gave me a palace full of money, I couldn't go. If he gave me all this money, I still couldn't go because I can only do what God says. But look at verse 19. 
Now, therefore, I pray you, tarry ye also here this night that I may know what the Lord will say unto me. It's like, wait a minute. Hey, even if you gave me all the money, I could not, I mean, I couldn't go. Maybe, you know, just stay here tonight. Let me go talk to God. It, it, he could have just said, look, God already told me not to go. So I can't go, so I'm sorry. But no, 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 he's like, hey, even if you gave me all the money, I can't go. And it's almost, you can just hear like his voice kind of slows down. He's like, I can't go, but just stay here. Like almost like maybe, maybe God will change his mind. Maybe I can convince God. It's Verse 19 is weird. This is the way the article describes it. All right. Um, it says here, um, this is where Balaam looked like a real man of God. He took the time to ask God what to do. He listened when God instructed him not to go. The king sent his men back a second time with more money to persuade the seer to come curse Israel. And again, he refused. Looks like obedience, right? But in verse 19, we read, but stay here one more night and I will see if the Lord has anything else to say to me. That's the translation they use. Does he have anything else to say? It's almost like you get a little clue here. Something's not right. Like, hey, is he listening to God or is he not listening to God? Now, this is what they say. What's going on here is our prophet wants to do what God has told him not to do. We all do that now and then, and it's never a good thing. But God allows us to do what he wants. What Sometimes God allows us to do what we want to do. They refer to this as the permissive will of God. It means that he will sometimes allow us to do things that we insist on doing, even when we want directly to oppose his will. All right. Now, again, that's that's the way they interpret it. And I think there's something to it, because in verse 19, it just seems like, well, why is he going back to ask God? He's already God's already said no. But once he hears about, you know, more stuff, it, it just seems like there's something here. So they go on to say this. What happens next is God says, you want to go? Then go. God sees something in his heart that's easy to miss. You'll find it up by backing, uh, you'll find it by backing up uh, uh, two verses. So they're like, okay. So he goes back to God and God, in fact, you can read it. It's just really bizarre. Verse 20, and God came unto Balaam at night and said unto him, if the men come to call thee, rise up and go with them. But yet the word which I shall say unto thee, shall thou do? And Balaam rose up in the morning and saddled his ass and went with the princes of Moab. So he, God's like, okay, if they come to you, go. So does that mean he was supposed to just stay right there? And if the people came to get him, he was to go. But Balaam goes right back to the people and just takes off. So is he disobeying God? And why did God say he can go now when he just earlier said, you can't go? So don't go, go. Wait, what? What is happening here? Why is the story seemingly so confused? Everyone seems to have their conjecture. This is what they say. They interpret this as God's basically saying, okay, okay, you come back to me a second time. You want to go? Go ahead. Not because I'm telling you. In other words, it's almost like, all right, all right. You clearly didn't take my first answer as a no. So just go. If that's what you want to do, go, knowing how it was all going to play out. I don't know. All right, but if you go back to uh, Numbers 22, 18, remember this verse? Even if Balak were to give me his palace filled with silver and gold, I would be powerless to do anything against the will of the Lord my God. Now, this is what they, they read, they write here. His thoughts were on that increased bounty 
Balak's man had brought. Peter wrote about that and pointed out that Balaam's way was greed. Sadly, you could probably name at least one modern celebrity pastor who measures success on how many books they sell rather than how many lives are changed by their books. Then they quote 2 Peter 2, 15 through 16. They've wandered off the right road and followed the footsteps of Balaam's son of Beor, who loved to earn money by doing wrong. But Balaam was stopped from his mad course when his donkey rebuked him with a human voice. So they're saying that in a roundabout way, Balaam has kind of refused that that, that he... Uh, Hang on. He loved to earn money. That there was, that he was like, oh man, they just brought back more money. Now he sounds pious. Hey, even if you were to give me all the money, I can't go. Well, I mean, just, just wait here and I'll go find out. It, it's almost like they're saying this indicates that there's some greed in him. There is some greed in him. And then look what happens. Verse 21 Balaam rose up in the morning and saddled his ass and went with the princes of Moab. And then this is crazy. God said, you can go. And then verse 22, numbers 22, 22. And God's anger was kindled because he went. Wait, you can go. Now, again, either we interpret it. Hey, if they come and get, in other words, it's almost, do we read it like stay here? And if they come and get you, then go. But he didn't seem to wait for them to come and get him. He went directly to them and left. So, what, what was God saying? Okay, oh, if you want to go, go. But God is upset because he's going, knowing what's in Balaam's heart. In other words, did did Balaam go? Did Balaam not necessarily follow the directions? Or number two, did he go but with a a greedy heart that he was willing that he was going to be willing to do what these people told him to do, and God saw that he was going, but he was going with a greedy heart. He was going with a heart willing to do what God had told him not to do. For whatever reason, God is upset. And just, this is where the story gets really bizarre. All right, so God's anger was kindled. So think about it this way. God is upset with him because Balaam is going clearly either he he went when he wasn't supposed to go or he's going with the wrong attitude He's got wrong intentions. Whatever the case is, God, Balaam is going against God. He's going against what God ultimately wants. That That's the only way to interpret this because God is upset with Balaam. So God is upset. And the angel of the Lord stood in the way for, for an adversary against him. Now he was riding upon his ass and his two servants were with him. So in a roundabout way, so God is upset. Balaam does not understand, see, perceive that God is upset. He doesn't perceive that the angel of the Lord is standing in the way. He doesn't perceive that he's literally going against God. He doesn't perceive that. And clearly he doesn't perceive why God is upset. Is it because of greed? God is up. He doesn't understand God's anger with him. And he doesn't understand the reason. Think of it this way. Balaam is blind to the spiritual reality of his own condition and his current relationship with God, where where God is now opposing him and is against him. Verse 23, 
And the angel saw, and the ass, the donkey, saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way and, and his sword drawn in his hand. And the ass turned aside out of the way and went into the field and Balaam smote the ass to turn her into the way. This is absolutely fascinating because what Balaam doesn't see, he doesn't see uh, that God is upset. He doesn't see his own condition and he doesn't see the angel, the spiritual danger right in front of him. He doesn't see, he doesn't see God's anger. He doesn't see his own condition and he doesn't see the spiritual danger in front of him. He's completely blind, but the donkey sees. The donkey sees. And then the struggle plays out, which is fascinating. The donkey sees God, uh, he sees the angel. He sees that there's danger. Balaam doesn't. So Balaam now engages in a struggle with the donkey. Don't you see how this is almost like a picture? Balaam is the donkey. And uh, well, Balaam is, Balaam in a sense is, um, he, I could say this, he's the one, he's going to fight against the donkey almost as if he is fighting against God. Balaam is going to fight against the donkey the way he's fighting against God. He's going to fight the donkey for his own way. The struggle between Balaam and the donkey is really a picture of Balaam's struggle with God. He doesn't see, he doesn't perceive, and he's fighting against God as he's getting ready to fight with the donkey who does see. It's really, it's really crazy here, the way this plays out. All right, in fact, let's just, let's just re continue reading, all right? So the ass saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way and a sword drawn in his hand. And the ass turned aside out of the way and went into the field and Balaam smote the ass to turn her into way. So, so Balaam is striking the donkey. He's hitting the donkey. Well, because he's fighting against the donkey. This is illustrative of him fighting against God. The, the donkey sees, Balaam doesn't see. Balaam doesn't see God's anger. He doesn't see his own condition. He doesn't see the spiritual danger. The, the donkey does. But Balaam fights against the, the, the spiritual reality. He's fighting. The, he's fight, the donkey represents the spiritual reality, and he's fighting against it. The donkey, in a sense, rep, represents God's revelation, God's will, and he's fighting against it. In his mind, it's almost like, the, well, he just sees a foolish animal, just like in clearly in some ways he doesn't, he doesn't seem to want to, he doesn't seem to be wanting to follow God. He wants to be going his own way. Sometimes we can see God's will as being, well, foolish and dumb, and we don't want to listen to it. So now he's striking the donkey. He's really striking at God's revelation. He's really striking at the very thing that sees the danger, which he doesn't see. Verse 24, but the angel of the Lord stood in a path of the vineyards, a wall being on this side and a wall on that side. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she thrust herself against the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. And he smote her again. And the angel of the Lord went forth and stood in a narrow place where where was no way to turn either to the right hand or to the left. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she fell down under Balaam and Balaam's anger was kindled and he smote the ass with a staff. He's just fighting again. The animal perceives, the animal sees. The animal's like, I'm not going to go against God. Balaam, in a sense, this is picturing him going against God by going against the donkey. 
in a sense, the donkey represents God's God's will, God's God's revelation. The donkey sees, the donkey understands, the donkey is not going to go against God. And Balaam's like, nope, you're going to do what I want. I'm going to force you to do what I want. Verse 28, and the Lord opened the mouth of the ass, and she said unto Balaam, what have I done unto thee that thou hast smitten me these three times? So then the donkey's like, wait, what have I done wrong? What am I doing wrong? You're fighting against me. I'm not doing anything wrong. You could be like, God, why would you go against me? I haven't done anything wrong. Why are you fighting against? By fighting against the donkey, he's fighting against God. And Balaam said unto the ass, because thou hast mocked me, I would, there were a sword in my hand now, and I would kill you. He, he wants to kill the very thing that's giving him, that's talking to him, that's trying to give him revelation. The very thing that in a sense is trying to keep him from spiritual danger, trying to keep him from the anger and wrath of God. He literally wants to kill that which is trying to lead him in the right direction because it's a fight. This is picturing the fight. God, God told him not to go. He, he obviously wants to go. Uh, he, he, God tells him to go, but he goes in a way that obviously angers God. There, there's either greed or whatever. He, he wants to go. He's, he's fighting against God, and this is being illustrated in this battle with the donkey. That, that's, what, that's the deeper picture here. Verse 29, and Balaam said unto the ass, because thou hast mocked me, okay, I've had a sword, I'd kill you. And the ass said unto Balaam, am not I thine ass? Upon which thou hast ridden ever since I was thine unto this day, was I never wont to do so unto thee? And he said, Nay. Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand, and he bowed down his head and fell flat on his face. And the angel of the Lord said unto him, Wherefore hast thou smitten thine ass these three times? Behold, I went out to withstand thee, because thy way is perverse before me. And the ass saw me and turned from me these three times, unless she had turned from me. Surely now I would have slain thee and saved her alive. And Balaam said unto the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I knew not that thou stoodest in the way against me. Now therefore it is displeasing thee, I will go get me back again. And the angel of the Lord said unto Balaam, go with the men, but only the word that I shall speak with thee, that thou shall speak. So Balaam went with the princes of Balak. Again, it's absolutely bizarre because he, after all of this, the angel, God in a sense still says, go, hey, go. I'm mad at you for going. I'm there. He almost dies. Hey, look, if the donkey wouldn't have seen, you'd be dead. Oh, okay. Go ahead and go. The story is bizarre. So clearly, the, the attempt here wasn't to completely stop Balaam because if the attempt was to stop Balaam, Balaam would not have been able to continue. It was, it was simply, I think this, the, the event here is to illustrate something. Balaam is the one fighting against God's will. The donkey sees, the donkey perceives. Balaam is blind to God's anger God's displeasure. He's blinded to his own spiritual condition. He is blind to the spiritual danger in front of him. He's blind to everything. The donkey sees. The donkey perceives. The donkey doesn't go against God. The donkey fights against Balaam, not against God. Balaam fighting against the donkey is illustrative of him ultimately fighting for his own will. He sees a dumb animal. He's, he can't 
He, he sees a foolish animal. He can't, because he doesn't perceive God's will in any of this. He is completely confused. I, I wrote the following things down, and there may be more to this story, but I wrote at least three down, all right? Just about Balaam and the talking donkey, because the, the story now transitions away from the talking donkey. It's just, it's just this weird, like, interruption, interlude in the story. Here we go. The donkey saw what Balaam did not see. That's a fact. The donkey could see what Balaam could not. Remember, what could Balaam not see? He did not see God's anger, did not see his own spiritual condition that obviously had made God mad, and he doesn't see the spiritual danger in front of him that there's an angel of the Lord there with a sword ready to kill him. But but Balaam wanted to kill the donkey. Balaam, if he would have had a sword, he would have killed the donkey. He would have killed the very thing that would have that was keeping him away from spiritual danger. He was he was he in a sense was going to kill that which try which really was a source of revelation because the donkey saw the spiritual danger in front of him. He was willing to kill it. So the donkey saw what Balaam could not. Number two, the donkey went against the will of Balaam. The donkey is going, Balaam is like, go forward, Mark, go, go. And, and the donkey is like, nope, not going this way. He even crushes his foot against the wall. I'm not doing, I'm not going, I'm not going, I'm not going. Because it's illustrative. Balaam is fighting against God. And now this, this takes place to show him, see how you're, you're getting mad at the donkey? Don't you think God may be getting mad at you? Isn't it amazing how we, we can, we get so upset when someone goes against us, when someone speaks ill of us, misrepresents us, lies about us, goes against our will. We get so mad, but we never bother to see how we go against God and we, we don't respect his word and we misrepresent him and all the things that we do. And number three, the donkey ultimately revealed the wrongness of Balaam's actions. Right. If you look at verse twenty-eight and twenty-nine, it's because it's it's. Uh, let's see, yeah, twenty. Let's see what number uh, verses twenty-eight and twenty-nine. Yes, and Balaam said unto the ass, because thou hast mocked me, I will kill thee. And the ass said unto them, uh, so so he, in a sense, because of this confrontation, the wrongness of Balaam's actions. Are, are really discovered. Because look at this, Numbers 22, 28 through 29. And the Lord opened the mouth of the ass, and she said unto Balaam, What have I done unto thee, thee, smite thee these three times? And Balaam said unto the ass, Because thou hast mocked me, I would there were a sword in my hand, for now I would have killed thee. This, this really reveals, it begins to reveal what's in Balaam's heart. In other words, Balaam's desire to kill the donkey shows the wickedness in his own heart because in a sense, he's willing to kill the very thing that's giving him the revelation of God's will, of God's direction, because, or at least up to this point, because, well, God is upset that he went. Even though God just told him to go, God gets upset, but then he turns around and says, go. It's just bizarre. Why does he tell him to go? I don't know. But it's the interaction with the donkey that seems to be, it's a, it's a greater spiritual picture. So the fight with the donkey, the donkey saw what Balaam did not see. The donkey went against the will of Balaam. So the donkey saw what Balaam did not see, demonstrating the blindness of Balaam. Balaam was blind, blind to the anger of God. He was blind to his own spiritual condition, and he was blind to the spiritual danger he was in. The donkey went against the will of Balaam to demonstrate what, when, when 
Balaam was getting so upset with the donkey, it never dawned on him, man, I'm doing the same thing against God. I'm going against God, right? So the donkey went against the will of Balaam to reveal Balaam going against the will of God. The donkey revealed the wrongness of Balaam's actions. Because of what the donkey did, it's ultimately revealed to Balaam, look, you're, you're in sin. You're acting in a wicked way. The very donkey who has served you, you want to kill. The very God who obviously has served and protected and taken care and given you life, you're fighting against. Now, from there, and we're going to stop there for now, the story picks up after this in verse 36. And when Balak heard that Balaam was come, he went out to meet him unto a city of Moab, which is the border of Arnon, Arnon, which is in the utmost coast. So then we have Balak and Balaam coming back together, and we'll have to see what happens next time. So at least we got past the talking donkey, but I'm still, there. there's a picture there, and, and I, I did not unpack it completely. I, I wanted to leave a little bit of ambiguity there, but I'm trying, I'm trying to give you enough that you can, you can flesh it out because I think there's some great spiritual treasure right there. I just think that we're, I I think we have a tendency to overlook it because it's just so fun to tell the story that we miss the spiritual. No, that's a spiritual illustration. It's a historical event, but it's a spiritual illustration. It's a spiritual parable. You can tell me what you think. All right, I'll stop right there. You can email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. We'll be back on the air around 7 p.m., and we're going to work on Matthew 24 tonight. So join us then. All right, thanks for listening. God bless.